Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. Because for a lot of people, sustainability is about a rather narrow agenda confined to ESG goals. For me, it's not that at all. It's about the business having a legitimate role in the community, a relationship with its customers, its suppliers and employees, being able to grow and develop its business on that kind of basis. But I think there are many reasons for concern, and in particular, the ways in which companies have allowed their underlying long-term competitive advantages uh, to erode in the pursuit of short-term profits. And that issue goes to the very heart of the sustainability of a company. I'm very pleased today to introduce Professor John Kay. John is one of Britain's leading economists and has a specific interest in the relationship between economics and business. His career has spanned academic work in think tanks, business schools, company directorships, consultancies and investment companies. John's been writing about responsible business, the role of stakeholders, sustainability, business and society for several decades. And he recently chaired the Review of UK Equity Markets and Long-Term Decision Making. Thank you very much, John, for taking the time today to speak to the sustainability agenda. But I'd like to start maybe to get an understanding of when you first came across the idea of sustainability and maybe some thoughts on how it has evolved over that time. Well, for me, sustainability has always been about, since I first became involved with business issues, the idea that the, insofar as a company has a goal at all, It is its long-run survival, and that involves matching its capabilities to its environment in a whole variety of senses. And I came to see quite quickly that that was a key perspective and that a lot of people thinking and talking about business strategy believed they had a capacity to control the environment, which was much greater than they actually had. It's good maybe to get a sense of how you, your kind of working sense of what sustainability means today or how you look at it. I think that's right, because for a lot of people, sustainability is about a rather narrow agenda confined to ESG goals. Uh, For me, it's not that at all. It's about the business having a legitimate role in the community, uh, a relationship with its customers, its suppliers and employees and being able to grow and develop its business on that kind of basis. And that's an agenda that has ESG aspects, but it's not uh, exclusively or even primarily an um, an ESG story. I've always remembered the moment where I was critical about the performance of a particular company and this was at what was a sort of pre- predominantly conventionally sustainability session. And I got a letter after that from the company, which said to me roughly that they might have screwed up the business, but they'd done a great job on corporate social responsibility. And I thought, you are just so far from understanding what corporate social responsibility really means. It's not about printing brochures on recycled paper and uh, proclaiming your carbon neutrality. It's about the totality of your company's operations and the contribution they make to the society and community in which you operate. 
Right, that's very interesting. Is there a sense in which ESG is not enough? Absolutely. Companies have ESG issues and an ESG agenda. So the basic issue, it seems to me, is is the company actually making a continuing contribution to the uh, the society of which it's part? Right, that, that's very interesting. And how does that really stand with respect to, I suppose, what gets bandied around uh, in various forms and, you know, the fiduciary role of companies to maximize profits? There's a, I guess there's various forms of that. There's a more hardcore, maybe associated with some American companies. But it's something you hear people talk about quite a lot, particularly when issues of certainly the ESG side of things, but even more generally. Right. And I think the answer to that is simply in most legal regimes, there is not such a fiduciary duty. In the UK, the fiduciary duty of uh, directors of a company is to promote the success of the company for the benefit of its members, taking account of the interests of a variety of stakeholders. That's what the 2006 Companies Act says. And it doesn't say that by mistake. It was carefully considered. And to repeat the key sentence of that, it is that the the duty is to promote the success of the company for the benefit of the members. The job is to promote the success of the company, and the benefit of the members will follow from that. Or well, that's the hypothesis behind the le- legislation. And do you think there has been a tendency to maybe focus too narrowly, I guess, on the shareholders as stakeholders and their welfare, I suppose, which is probably defined distinctly in terms of profits? Well, I I hear frequently uh, people in the corporate sector saying, of course, uh, the duty of a company is to maximise its profits. As I've explained, it is just not true. At the same time, investors have you know, a key role here to play as well. And you certainly see more investors paying attention now to at least, shall we just say, the ESG side of things, but clearly as well in, in other areas, other ways of looking at sustainability. How do you characterize what's happening with investors at the moment? What's your sense of how they look at things as changing? One of the key things in the review of equity markets I did in 2012 was to try and get some kind of clarification of this issue, and that's why we sent it to the Law Commission for review. And I think they came up with the kind of answers which I hope they'd come up with, that is, which is that uh, trustees need to take a broad interpretation of their duties to their beneficiaries, but they absolutely cannot use their position as trustees to pr- promote their own particular political agenda. And that's uh, the nature of fiduciary duty that arises in that context. How good a job do you think companies are doing when it comes to sustainability? I think that's probably not an issue for me. And it goes back to my very broad concept of sustainability. So that it's a question, are we doing enough to maintain the position of British companies in relation to the environment in which they're operating. And I think it's quite disappointing, actually, to see the way in which companies in a number of sectors, most notably the financial sector, have, as I would see it, broken the implicit contract which they had with the community, with their employees, with their customers.
There have been some changes, I think, on various fronts, certainly for the government in terms of regulation and so forth. That's clearly one dimension, but presumably there needs to be a willingness within the, the financial institutions themselves to, I guess, to internalise these values and not just wait for outside parties to direct them. Absolutely. We don't deal with these issues by writing ever more detailed rule books in the way in which we are. And I believed and have argued that in financial services, regulation is much more part of the problem than part of the solution. I think you're absolutely right that the way in which we make progress is by getting companies to internalize the kind of values we want from our corporate sector and in the finance sector. We are still a long way from doing that. Yes, absolutely. And what roles do boards have to play here? And again, these are very sweeping generalizations, I know. Are you optimistic that boards are living these values and bringing them to their companies more? I, th- I think I've spent enough time on boards to be skeptical about how much boards can do to influence the culture of the organization. And if one was frank, I think they can do more to damage it than they can do to promote it. In the end, uh, the kind of corporate culture that both um, serves the community and makes profit for the business is something which is generated internally. It's often, well, it's quite often generated in the first instance by powerful and charismatic leaders. And I've been interested in looking at some of these things in the way the myth of the founder, which is often actually a myth, uh, pervades the companies that are most successful in maintaining corporate culture, whether it's Tom Watson or Michael Marks or Sam Walton. You can see the ways in which uh, strong cultures are associated with strong personalities. And it's a very good way of framing things, I'm inclined to think. There seems to be a growing body of pretty definitive research as to the business case for sustainability, and certainly at least defined in the you know narrower ESG uh, way. I know George Seraphim at Harvard and Yanis Yano at, at London Business School, they've done quite a bit of work on this. And there seems to be some very strong evidence that companies do better financial returns for investors, as well as doing better in terms of their own economic growth. No. In a sense, this is what I wrote in my book, Obliquity, about. I think the big, I, I've argued that the most profitable companies are not the most profit-oriented. The most profitable companies are actually built by people who create great businesses or develop great businesses. And achieving high profitability will be an aspect of that, but it will only be an area, it will only be one aspect of that. I, what I'm opposed to and have been describing right from the beginning is a concern that a lot of this agenda is thought of that the half of the part of the company maximizes profits, uh, but it needs to do a bit of good on the side in order to keep uh, opposing lobbies happy. My idea of the way we can we conduct these things at all.
Yes, I think people have observed, and certainly maybe 20 years ago, that, you know, the sustainability was part, maybe, in more cases of a CSR-type agenda, which may have come from a more, you know, reputation side of the business or more, you know, corporate philanthropy side of things. It seems to be the case that there are companies out there today who are doing more to, you know, to, to develop products that are sustainable and to, you know, and to really integrate sustainability into the mainstream business. There may be a small number and it's you know clearly a, a big challenge to do. I suppose that's a trajectory that would be an, an optimistic one. Do you find that? That's the right trajectory, and it's not a matter of setting up a sustainability department or a cross-corporate social responsibility group uh, to which you can pass responsibility for that agenda over. That's not what we should be talking about at all. Yes, I suppose, again, if you're looking at the kind of broader stakeholder type focus, how different is that from a company that, you know, may be following, you know, a, a more narrowly defined, you know, financial set of objectives in terms of balancing different stakeholders needs? Does that imply changes in, in either organization structure or strategy or processes? Or could you talk a little bit about that, John? Yeah, I think what you're describing is the reality of what most successful companies do. And in a way, the shareholder value rhetoric has had more more influence on the language companies and chief executives use than it has had on on corporate behavior. That's this core thesis of obliquity, which says that profitable businesses are mainly built by people who set out to create good, great, not just good, but great businesses. And what I want to see is executives who are committed to building great businesses. And great businesses means balancing a whole range of objectives and hitting a whole range of targets. It means being profitable and providing good returns to your investors. It means uh, helping your employees get satisfaction out of their working lives. It means having happy customers. It means having suppliers who want to deal with you. And if you do all these things, uh, the profits will follow. There seems to be an embedded idea that's around the idea that sustainability is cost and that there's a trade-off. If you are being more sustainable, you're trading off something else, you know, maybe in profits, maybe the quality of the product, that sometimes a product is seen as a sustainable product that it won't necessarily perform as well on other dimensions. And that seems to be quite deeply embedded. Yeah, and I think that's just wrong and is a mistaken mistaken concept of what the agenda means. However, let me say again, this is not saying that, uh, as as it were, good business is necessarily profitable businesses. Uh, There would be no ethical dilemmas if that were true, if it was always uh, to your personal benefit to do the right thing. There would be no subject of ethics. Uh, but ethics are what is part of success and sustainability in the long run. I've always valued a famous quote from an Archbishop of Dublin three centuries ago, who said that honesty may be the best policy, but the person who pursues that policy is not an honest man. And that's a fundamental distinction, because honesty is basically a trait of character, not a policy. Very interesting.
you keep coming back to this question of profitability in, in a sense, which is interesting because presumably in one sense, it's easy to measure profitability. When you look at the sustainability side of things, it's more challenging. Do you have any thoughts on that? Any advice? Is that an issue or is that really less important if your company really wants to live you know, and embody sustainability? It's not that easy to measure profits, as uh, plenty scandals of the last few years have reminded us. But you're right, it is easier to measure profits than many of the other metrics which characterize a good business. Uh, but it's very easy to focus on things you can measure at the extent of, uh, to the extent of, at the expense of things that are actually important. I think a much wider issue in business over the last 10, 20 years has been the excessive attempt to believe that only what can be quantified matters. The truth is, we all know great businesses when we see them pretty much. And it's the job of managers to create great businesses. Yes, there does seem to be uh, uh, quite a lot going on. In fact, times a bewildering amount going on in various SASB and uh, integrated reporting and sustainability uh, type initiatives to try and measure aspects of this. And presumably, the degree to which one can get a bit more clarity about what some of these things look like can only be a good thing. And integrated reporting initiatives seem to me very important to direct analysts away from simply looking at the numbers in relation to a company and getting much closer to understanding the sources of its competitive advantage. Yes, and I'm thinking when you the, the quote about honesty and an honest person in the sense of companies that are responding maybe to some of their stakeholders, to NGOs who they're worried about showing them up and things like that. They certainly have been important drivers of sustainability. What do you see in the future, you know, continuing going forward? What will be some of the factors you think that will help to drive the sustainability agenda? Well, I think in the end, it, it's going to depend a lot on uh, people who are providing funds to companies, which in practice means the large asset managers taking this agenda on board as part of their as part of the investment strategy. And that will only follow really from uh, the ultimate asset owners and beneficiaries taking the same view of invest of asset manager obligations. Yes, and I hear Morningstar, I think, in the ratings have introduced some sustainability measures which they're looking at, and you hear more about institutional investors talking about that. But presumably, they have a lot at stake in the sense of stranded assets and other issues of that nature, which is, you know, one small part of the sustainability dimension, you know, the climate-related aspect, but nonetheless, one which is on the horizon. How good are companies at thinking about these issues in the longer term? How big a factor is the short-term aspect of, of investing? Well, Fergal, as you know, I've written a review on short-termism in British business, which we're not going to summarize in this podcast. But I think there are many reasons for concern, and in particular, the ways in which companies have allowed their underlying long-term competitive advantages uh, to erode in the pursuit of short-term profits. And that issue goes to the very heart of the sustainability of a company in the way in which I defined and described it at the beginning. 
one of the fundamental issues at the heart of this, which is the allocation of costs and externalities. How important is carbon pricing, do you think, in terms of dealing with the fundamental issue of externalities and paying for pollution? Well, I'm very attracted to the idea of creating markets in these kind of areas because they have the effects of encouraging people to find efficient solutions to problems themselves. I'm not sure I'm very impressed by the success of carbon trading markets so far, partly because carbon prices have not been high enough to actually have real effects on behaviour, and partly because of the extent to which existing rights have been grandfathered or more than grandfathered in so we've been in danger of just, in effect, providing subsidies to polluting organisations, which I think was not the idea in the first place. Yes, I have read research about companies using shadow carbon prices and that this is a growing phenomenon that companies recognise that sooner or later there's going to be carbon pricing and that they're using this to integrate this into their own decision making, which presumably is, is, is a positive thing and, and preparing for you know the kind of changes that would come from that maybe that comes on to the, the, the final kind of area that maybe i'd be interested in getting your thoughts which is i guess cop 21 i know some people have been a little disappointed that more wasn't done on the carbon pricing side of things but generally what is your sense of you know how do you respond to that and does that give you some grounds for optimism i think the world we're living in at the moment fergal there aren't very many grounds for optimism <laughs> around the place uh, I think we will we will see how current political developments evolve in the next few weeks and months and perhaps years. But I I think we are dealing with a very large problem, which is particularly since two thousand and eight, there has been a kind of unfocused public anger directed at perceived failures of market economies in the political system. And we're getting more and more expression of that dissent on a variety of issues and through a variety of, to my mind, really rather unattractive political figures. And I think the largest issue we have is how we sustain a market economy and democratic politics in the, in the, um, in the light of these kind of challenges. So that, in a sense, goes back to comes back to the beginning, which is that sense of sustainability. Because if you don't have these together, well functioning democracy, the possibility of for companies to grow is not good. Yeah, in the early nineties, we people wrote about the end of history, essentially arguing that a combination of um, liberal democracy and lightly regulated capitalism was kind of the only system for the future. And that's pretty much been true for a couple of decades, but it's vulnerable to more challenges now than it has been since the end of the Cold War. And I find that very disappointing, in some ways rather scary. New models of state-controlled capitalism, which clearly uh, doesn't make one very confident looking forward. But thank you very much, John, for taking the time to speak to the sustainability agenda. It's been an honour to talking to you, and I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.